My name is Chow. My name is Ronald. So, Ronald, what time did you go to bed yesterday? Last night, I went to bed at 10.30, and it was great. I felt great this morning. 10.30? Yes. That's quite early, actually. Yeah, For a high school student? Yeah. I make sure to go to bed by 10.30 each night because of that feeling I have each morning. I found that for myself, going to bed at 10.30 is like the sweet spot. Like 10 is a little too early, and then 11, and after 11 is too late for me. What time do you get up then? I get up at 6, and then from there, I have like a morning routine. Did you always go to bed at 10.30, or was that something that you have developed? No, that's something I started this year. So freshman and sophomore year, I'd go to bed at 11.30, mm. and I would just feel terrible each morning. Even just one hour of difference? Yes, that one hour difference makes a huge difference for me personally. Maybe it's because of the sleeping cycle. Could that be it? I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's yeah. This, the sleeping cycle. So I got introduced to that at the beginning of my sophomore year last year. I learned about it, but I didn't actually do anything about it. Yeah. And then over quarantine, I started actually implementing it. And so I used this website. And then from there, I figured out my sleep cycle. So you're able to go to bed at 1030 on a regular basis? Yes. And do you just fall asleep right there and then? Or? Yeah, because... I've been doing it since September, so I think my body's just getting used to it. It's like, oh, it's ten fifteen. Like, you know, I should be in bed by now. My, yeah. I'm starting to get tired, so yeah. my body's just used to it. So is it like a habit that you build up? Absolutely. Was that like an easy thing to do to transition from eleven thirty to a ten thirty schedule? Um, I did it the incorrect way. I just went straight for ten thirty. You know, I think most people recommend slowly building it up and then getting to ten thirty. But I just started doing ten thirty one week, and it worked out for me. Was the process of developing the habit a difficult one? I think so. And, you know, after developing that habit and trying to develop others and failing, I sought out resources to, you know, make that process easier. And, of course, being a teen, my first resource was YouTube and Google. So right. I went to YouTube and I looked up how to build habits or, you know, being more productive. I watched a bunch of those videos. And within that video, they mentioned this one book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. So that's the book we're going to talk about today. Why do you think the book is titled Atomic Habits? I think the book is titled Atomic Habits because if you break it down, atomic means small. So we want to make these small habits in our life that ultimately end up controlling our life and our daily life. So small habits. Yes, exactly. But when people think about changing habits, people generally talk about large things. Exactly. Like, yes. hey, I'm going to lose weight. Yep. Um, I'm going to cut off uh, social media for my life completely. Because as he says... Most people want to do the big things, make uh, lose weight, cut off social media, but you have to start small mm. so that when you actually start, you don't give up. Because maybe the first three days you do it, but then the fourth day, you know, you're losing motivation. So after the fourth day, when you lose motivation, you'd give up on the goal. Instead, if you make it a habit, every day you show up and you continue to work, and eventually over time, you'll reach the bigger goal of losing weight by making small changes to your life at the beginning. What are the small habits that you changed to move your bedtime? So to change my bedtime, first thing I did was I made sure to finish all my homework in school or if not in school, as soon as I got home. So that means cutting off YouTube and the internet in general once I get home to finish doing my homework. And additionally, that also means studying ahead of time. Because before, when I go to bed at 11, 30, 12, I was going to bed so late because I was wasting so much time on social media, on YouTube. But if I cut those things out, I that frees up an hour, two hours of my time. So now I can study and do my homework beforehand and get to bed on time. So you said at the beginning you cut off YouTube, cut off social media. That certainly was difficult to do, right? The whole platform is built there to attract you, to, to make you go onto those websites as often as possible. So how do you sort of get away those bad habits? So in the book, there's four main fundamentals 
for building habits and then for breaking bad habits there's right. the inverse of them so because you asked about breaking the bad habits i'm gonna start with the inverse okay so the first law is make it invisible so reduce exposure the way i did that is i downloaded a chrome extension which blocks youtube and reddit twitter instagram from my browser and then on my phone i deleted instagram twitter reddit so i literally couldn't see them and then if i wanted to use them i had to go to the app store re-download them sign in and then use two-factor authentication so it became difficult what you said is interesting because it sounds like you just quit a cold turkey because you delete it off your phone that process certainly will be more difficult yes it can be so how do we make these big things invisible when they're that difficult to get rid of to make it invisible what i did is i downloaded a chrome extension which blocks the website and every time i try to go to the website it says, oh, you should be doing something else right now. And it's actually kind of funny. And it's actually motivating because it's like, yeah, I, I really should be doing something else. So I, I get back to work once I see that. But the second one says. So the second law is to make it unattractive. And part of that is reframing your mindset so that you highlight the benefits of avoiding that bad habit. I think nowadays, like most people are consciously aware that social media is bad for, is bad for you. So I, I, I can see how that's an easy argument to make. What if it's something that's difficult to make unattractive, like a cupcake, right? I, I feel it's very difficult to make a cupcake unattractive because it's so delicious. How can that ever be unattractive? Because when you look into the ingredients of it and you realize what you're actually eating, <laughs> You're eating a bunch of processed sugar, a uh, bunch of food coloring, food dye. Okay. Stuff that's just not good for you. Got it. And okay. Then All right. You realize All the right. effects of that on your body. All right. You just ruined cupcakes for me. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, <laughs> what about the third one? The third law is to make it difficult. And part of that is increasing friction. So increasing the number of steps to actually do that thing. Mm. So I think that YouTube blocker is a good example mm -hmm. because to actually watch a YouTube video now, I have to open the Chrome extension go to settings, disable it, and then restart my browser. So I can't even, it doesn't hot reload. I have to restart the entire browser, wait for all my tabs to open. So just the thought process of having to do that to watch a YouTube video, it's just not worth it for me anymore. That's very interesting. I didn't know it, it takes that many steps to do that. I, I think the person that made it made it that difficult on purpose because if it feels easy to disable it, right. then what's the point of even having it in the first place? True. One of my bad habits is... I love watching TV. Like I have all the streaming services. How do I make that process more difficult? I would say you could put the remote in a spot that's annoying to get to. So instead of leaving it on the couch or on the table that you'd pass as you go to the couch, right. you could put it like on top of a shelf or in a cabinet somewhere where it's just inconvenient to get. Second, in the book, he actually talks about TV watching and he gives an example. So he gives multiple layers to the example. But the top layer of that example is every time you're finished using the TV and finished watching your show, you unplug the TV, unplug the cable, <laughs> and then put the actual stuff away into a closet. Right. So now next time you want to watch TV, you go, oh my God, I have to take out everything, set it up, sign into everything, and then watch the show. Is it really worth it to watch TV? You don't have to go, you don't have to be that extreme, but you could still apply the principles and the idea to your habit of watching TV. That doesn't sound like a happy life to me at all. That sounds miserable. Well, you can try the second law, which is reframing your mindset around TV. Mm. So maybe instead of using it as something when you're bored, use it intentionally to watch something that's critically acclaimed or maybe you're, all your friends are saying, okay, you have to watch this. Then yeah, maybe you watch that one show 
But then after you're done watching it for the day or for a specified amount of time, you go do something else. So if that still doesn't work, you can use the fourth law, which is make it unsatisfying. And part of that is using an accountability partner. So you could have your wife make sure that you don't watch more than one hour of TV a night or something like that. But she could remind you like, hey, it's been an hour, you know, probably wanted to go do something else. And that'll keep you honest. And you realize, yeah, it has been an hour. So I should really go do something else. What are the laws to make new habits? So as I mentioned earlier, the laws for breaking bad habits are the inversion of the laws to make good habits. Mm -hmm. So going down the list, you have the first law, which is make it obvious. Mm. Um, The second law is make it attractive. Third law is make it easy. And the fourth law is make it satisfying. Make it satisfying? Yes. What will make something that I don't enjoy satisfying? Well, before we even get to that point, the reason it's important to make something satisfying is because when you make it satisfying, your brain's like, I want to do that again. So how do I get to that point? Sure. So to make it actually satisfying, he talks about tracking your habits and tracking your progress. So you want to use what he calls a habit track or keep track of your habit streak. Because now when you look at it, you're in C, you have nine days straight of doing something. You're like, yeah, I should really do this and keep it going. So that's going to push you and keep give you that little edge to actually do it. And I can say this works because I have a habit tracker and it actually works for me most days. Because like when I see that I have like a two week streak, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to break this. So I just decide I'm just going to do it anyway. The streak that you talked about, that seemed more like external satisfaction rather than the internal so it's not the activity that brings you the satisfaction but you have the status that you can talk about saying hey look i maintained a you know 20 day streak that doesn't seem healthy let's say no one cares about the streaks anymore then wouldn't you just stop no because it doesn't have to be for other people could just be for yourself but let's say that no longer is a thing for you. Let's make assumption that streak no longer matters, that you don't care about it anymore. Let's say it's learning French, right? Let's say learning French is supposed to be intrinsically satisfying, but you've been doing it because of the streak that you've been you know, keeping up. But let's say it doesn't matter anymore. Would you still keep on learning French even though it doesn't satisfy you? Once it gets to a certain point, It'll just be a habit and you won't even think about doing it for the streak anymore. It just becomes part of your daily routine. And even if that is the case, there's other examples of things you could do to help push yourself. So you are telling me that there'll be one day where even though the activity itself doesn't intrinsically bring me satisfaction, but because there's an external motivation that helps me developing it, I will one day having the activity become a part of my muscle memory, I will just do regardless. It won't be one day. It will be an accumulation of all the days putting in the work, showing up every day. Mm -hmm. But my idea was that once you get to a certain point of doing something every day, you stop having to be motivated and you just do it. And so you don't have to worry about the external factors motivating you because now it is intrinsic and you do find the pleasure in it. So the activity itself, because it's a good habit that you want to build to start the habit initially will be difficult because there's a lack of motivation. Yes. Because it's difficult. Yeah. But after a while, that motivation part of it will just disappear because you no longer need it. Therefore, you just simply do the part that you know is good for you and you don't feel it. It doesn't bring you uh, pain or dissatisfaction. Yeah. Think about LeBron James or Cristiano Ronaldo, athletes on the top of their game. Mm Mm-hmm. There's definitely days where they absolutely want to go to the gym 
get in a good session. But there's definitely other days where they don't feel like going to the gym or right. don't feel like lifting weights. Right. But they still show up. And because it's a habit, they still do it every day and they still get 1% better every right. day. Right. Right. And that all built up to something else. And this habit sort of takes over um, automatically. Yeah. You don't have to tell LeBron James to wake up and go right. practice. Like he's going to wake up every day, get in his reps, whether it be shooting, lifting, eating correctly, everything. Right. And the idea is that these habits are so small. Yeah. You atomic. start small, you start small and they lead to greater changes. So going back to LeBron, when he was 15, he wasn't living the same life he was now. It probably started off like every day after school, I'm going to spend 30 minutes shooting right. and working on this. Right. And then that becomes an hour. And then he goes to the NBA and then everything just starts stacking and stacking and stacking. And now he is where he is today. But it all started with that one change of after school, I'm mm -hmm. going to start shooting for 30 minutes. Right. So would you recommend people to read this book? I think so. I, I think it's a great segue into the whole uh, productivity space of just wanting to improve your life. So what's the next habit you're trying to develop? The habit I'm trying to build is studying for the SAT every day. Because as a high school junior in America, scoring well on the SAT is very important. So each day I try to study for at least 30 minutes, whether it be reading, grammar, math. And each day I try to get 1% better as James Clear talks about in the book. What about you? What's one habit you're trying to incorporate into your daily life? I'm trying to do some type of meditation every day. Mm. So I'm trying to keep that up. I think that's really helpful. So that's what I'm trying to do. It's only, well, I start with three minutes, you know, five minutes. I'm trying to incorporate at least like 10 minutes a day. So I can just meditate a little bit, you know, to think of nothing mm -hmm. for 10 minutes. I think uh, I think it's a good thing to, to meditate. So I'm trying to build that into my habit. I, I hope I can um, I can do that. Thank you for listening to Project Palladium. This show is brought to you by Element Project of Shaman High School, located in Minneola, New York. Advised by Chow S. Slu. Hosted and produced by Ronald Jabwen. If you want to recommend a book or have a comment about a book, you can email us at element at shamanad-hs.org. And if you would like to go to our website, you can go to element.shamanad-hs.org.